Thank you for listening to Fund the People, a podcast with me, Rusty Stahl. For 20 years, I've supported leadership development for foundation and nonprofit professionals. In 2014, I started my organization, Fund the People, the national campaign to maximize investment in the nonprofit workforce. Now we've launched this podcast to amplify how and why philanthropy should invest in nonprofit people. Do you love nonprofit work, but find yourself frustrated by the starvation cycle, the overhead myth, the racial and economic inequity, and the toxic burnout culture that dampens our effectiveness? Do you want to see change, but you're not sure how to address these harmful, outdated mental models and practices or what to replace them with? then this is the podcast for you. Every episode, I sit down with fascinating thought leaders from across our sector to gather stories, research, and practical resources that you can use to ensure that nonprofit people are at the center of performance, impact, and sustainability in your organization or the organizations that you support. So let's dive in together as we learn how to fund the people. Welcome to a special mini episode here on Fund the People podcast. These days, we nonprofit folks could use a little R&R, some rest and relaxation. And I hope you're giving yourself the gift of rest. But unfortunately, none of us can take a vacation from the pandemic. So I thought I would take a break from our usual interview format for a little bit of my own R&R. In this case, R&R means rants and reflections. In these rants and reflections mini episodes, I'll offer my own take on the politics of philanthropy, nonprofits, and current events. And I'll share some key resources that help me. So let's get started. R&R episode one, philanthropy and the president. Every American president and White House has a relationship of some sort to philanthropy and the nonprofit sector. It may be policy related, it may be personal, it may be both. It may be during the president's term in office, it may be after, it may be both. So let's take a quick tour of the modern presidency as it relates to philanthropy and nonprofits. Senator Minority Leader Lyndon Johnson proposed the Johnson Amendment the legislation that was signed by President Dwight Eisenhower in 1954. That provision of law protects the integrity and independence of charitable nonprofits and foundations. It shields the 501c3 community against partisan politics so that charities can be a safe haven where individuals of all beliefs can come together to solve problems free from partisan divisions. That's a particularly important point, the Johnson Amendment I'll come back to it at the end of this little history tour. In episode four of this podcast, Dr. Lester Solomon of Johns Hopkins University talks about how President Franklin Delano Roosevelt and his New Deal began a practice that's lasted through today where the U.S. federal government accomplishes much of its work by contracting or granting out work to nonprofits. If you haven't heard that episode with Dr. Solomon, I recommend you pop back and take a listen. Once you finish this episode, John Kennedy created the Peace Corps, sending Americans to volunteer and learn 
in direct support of communities around the world. We've all heard of the Peace Corps. It's kind of a, a legendary program, and it has echoes across the rest of this history I'm going to share. President Johnson's War on Poverty brought together VISTA, Volunteers in Service to America, Peace Corps, and other efforts to form the Action Agency. Jimmy Carter and Rosalind Carter are known for their voluntary service through Habitat for Humanity. They are just incredibly committed to that work. And also for human rights through the Carter Center. That's all in the post-presidency period. Ronald Reagan had an interesting and different relationship to philanthropy. He believed government was the problem, not the solution. It needed to shrink and cut services, but that churches and philanthropies would fill the gap left by government. He called it public-private partnerships. George H.W. Bush, when he became president, created the Thousand Points of Light, and that's gotten some, some people... Uh, kind of making fun of it because of Dana Carvey and whatnot. But it was actually meant, I think, to be a celebration of all those volunteers and givers around the country engaged in that philanthropic and nonprofit tradition. He also initiated the Corporation for National and Community Service. And when Bill Clinton ran on the National Service idea, he created AmeriCorps, the domestic version of Peace Corps which was then housed at the Corporation for National and Community Service. I was fortunate to participate in a part-time version of AmeriCorps for college students called Learn and Serve AmeriCorps, through which I did social visiting to senior citizens in two DC neighborhoods, brought them groceries, meals, uh, brought them a friendly face, hopefully, <laughs> and I recruited other students to do that work with me. It was a great experience, and I'm proud to have had that opportunity to serve at the very beginning, first couple years of AmeriCorps. Since his presidency, Bill Clinton and his family have created the Clinton Foundation, which has engaged and leveraged other philanthropists and social entrepreneurs around the world. George W. Bush, who followed Bill Clinton, brought the idea of compassionate conservatism to the White House. And to manifest that, he created the White House Office of Faith-Based and Community Initiatives. Once 9-11 hit, it didn't really maintain much traction, but it stayed there. That, that idea of compassionate conservatism has unfortunately gone the way of all things, but that office remained at least for a while. Then an interesting twist, former presidents George H.W. Bush and Bill Clinton partnered together in a bipartisan manner to raise funds for hurricane victims in Haiti and in New Orleans after Katrina. And I believe since that time, George W. Bush and Bill Clinton have partnered in a similar fashion. That brings us further into this millennium with Barack Obama. First of all, Michelle Obama started and led Public Allies, the Chicago affiliate, which is itself an AmeriCorps-funded program and a great pipeline into the nonprofit sector for non-college-bound youth, young people of color, and others from the margins of society. Obama also, President Obama also created the Edward Kennedy Bill to expand AmeriCorps, building on what Bill Clinton had done. 
He created the White House Office of Social Innovation, as well as the Social Innovation Fund, which is also housed at the Corporation for National and Community Service. He interestingly created some liaisons within federal agencies, such as HUD, Housing and Urban Development, liaisons to the philanthropic community. And he has, in his post-presidency, created the Obama Foundation, which runs a number of programs meant to inspire and develop diverse young leaders um, around the U.S. and around the world. This brings us to our current presidential title holder, Donald J. Trump. David Fahrenholt, that's F-A-R-E-N-H-O-L-D-T, is a reporter for the Washington Post. He followed Trump's philanthropic money and found that President Trump has given little to none of his own money to the many veterans groups, healthcare organizations, children's charities, and other nonprofits that are, that are in his orbit, where he has sat on gala committees or been honored. And if you haven't looked at Fahrenheit's research, it's quite interesting and eye-opening. The Donald J. Trump Foundation, named after the president himself, during the 2016 campaign, was used as a political tool. Uh, he used his foundation as a slush fund for payoffs and self-dealing, to pay for things like a painting of himself, and for election-related expenses. He abused the foundation in such a way that New York State actually fined and shut down the foundation for the behavior and placed restrictions on the president's family restrictions on their involvement in charities. According to PolitiFact, New York Attorney General Letitia James on November 7, 2019, announced that the New York Supreme Court ordered President Donald J. Trump to pay $2 million in damages for, quote-unquote, for improperly using charitable assets to intervene in the 2016 presidential primaries and further his own political interests. The settlement mandated training for the elder Trump children and imposed restrictions on Donald J. Trump should he join another charity as director. And if Trump starts a new charity, that charity must also comply with those restrictions and report to the Attorney General of the state for five years. To state explicitly the obvious, the settlement includes a ban on any self-dealing as the lawsuit had charged that Trump repeatedly used his foundation's money for his own personal business and political interests. Finally, with President Trump, going back to where I started this list, Trump and the Congress people who follow him have tried multiple times to end Lyndon Johnson's Johnson Amendment to bring down that firewall separating nonprofits from political activity. Remember, this is the law that maintains the integrity and independence of our sector. So it's not that surprising that President Trump sought to erode that law. If control of the House had not been won by the opposing party in 2018, President Trump and his followers in Congress might have already corrupted foundations and nonprofits in time to abuse them for the 
2020 election. In conclusion, we are better, stronger, greater nation when our government has a productive relationship with philanthropy and the nonprofit sector. We are a worse, weaker, lesser nation when our political and government leaders do not understand or actively seek to undermine the nonprofit and philanthropic communities. You can make your own decisions about President Trump's performance as a business person or as a president. But based on that Washington Post research, and based on much of the philanthropic and nonprofit community and its response to President Trump's personal and policy approaches to the sector, it's clear that he is not a generous person, and he has shown little concern for the value of philanthropy and nonprofits in our society. While it may not be as sensational as the many other abuses of power, lies, and destruction coming out of the Trump administration, this personal and policy approach to philanthropy continues to show a lack of empathy and a lack of understanding of the American way that is a part of who our current president is. I think we can do better. Given how much the nonprofit sector does on behalf of government, and given that our nonprofit workforce is the third largest private workforce in our private economy, we need our presidents, our representatives, our governors, our city council members to understand philanthropy in the nonprofit sector and to understand the proper relationship between government and the nonprofit sector. Unfortunately, the onus is on us to educate policymakers, media, and the public. Toward that end, and as we approach the presidential election, we're actually in it now, people are voting. I'm pleased to share just a few timely resources. Nonprofit Vote, nonprofitvote.org. Nonprofit Vote partners with America's nonprofits to help the people they serve participate and vote. They're a great resource on nonpartisan resources to help nonprofits integrate voter engagement into their ongoing activities and services. So visit nonprofitvote.org. They also have a campaign about giving nonprofit workers the day off on election day to go vote. Here's another useful resource, the National Council of Nonprofits. They are a proven advocate for America's charitable nonprofits. They connect the policy dots across all levels and branches of government, keeping nonprofits informed and empowered to create a positive policy environment that best supports nonprofits in advancing their missions. If you're part of a state association of nonprofits, that association is likely part of the National Council, but you can also join directly. And they have great resources on their website about the role of the sector in society and how to tell that story to your policymakers. So visit councilofnonprofits.org. That's councilofnonprofits.org. And that, my friends, is my rant and reflection for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Fund the People, a podcast with me, Rusty Stahl. 
where we amplify how and why philanthropy should support the nonprofit workforce. For links to the resources that were mentioned in this episode, check out our show notes and more at fundthepeople.org backslash podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show. And if you enjoyed the episode or you're a regular listener, please share the podcast with your network or at least with one or two colleagues who you believe would find it valuable. Thanks for all you do every day for our community and our country through your nonprofit work. Stick with it, keep your tank full, and take care of one another.